just as I start, I'd really value actually you just stretching out your hands and praying for energy because I've been here all day today. I preached this morning and I did a service which was recorded for Churches Together about climate change with some amazing young people involved in it. So do look on the Churches Together website. But I haven't been home because of the snow. I decided to stay here. And it's been a lovely time of just being in this building and thanking God for all the special times where I've met with him through his spirit and through the people of this church. So it's been very special, but I am feeling a little bit wobbly this evening. So please pray for me because I want to be able to preach what God has given me for you this evening. Now, one of the first times that I sensed the Holy Spirit prompting me, I was in the house, not the one I've just moved out of, but the one before that in Horsell. I was in the playroom and tidying up James's Lego, which he used to leave strewn all over the floor, and Emily's little toy horses. And uh, I was just tidying up the room, and I'd come to faith about two months earlier, and was just at the very start of this sort of adventure with God. And what I kept getting prompted about by the Holy Spirit that day were two things, Isaiah and 61 together. Well, I had no idea that those two things went together, um, but it dropped into my mind over and over and over again to the point where I just thought, well, I don't know what that is. I don't know why that keeps dropping into my head, but I'm going to go and look it up. So I went to the Bible. I knew that there was somebody called Isaiah. I had no idea there were more than 61 chapters in his book. I looked it up And I read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. The really powerful passage is the one that Jesus um, reads and says that he has come to fulfill in the synagogue. And I read it and I prayed about it and, and reflected on it and then just sort of set it to one side and thought, amazing passage, thank you God. But it wasn't until the ordination service for priesthood Uh, in 2017, that something about that nudge by the Holy Spirit about Isaiah 61 really hit me because it's read as part of the ordination service. And as it was read, I realized then that the call to priesthood had been there from the very beginning in that playroom. And as you know, here I am um, following that call, having moved into the vicarage in Camberley last week and I'm now about to lead St Michael's Church uh, and the service for that is in two weeks time but I need to unpack a few boxes first they're sort of stacked fairly high in the house and hopefully get a few days of relaxation and retreat with God but between that hearing Isaiah 61 from the Holy Spirit and now there's been a significant amount of time. It's been about 15 years. And as many of you know, that 15 years have been really mixed, filled with both joy and pain, laughter and disappointment, and also loads and loads of study and life learning. But most importantly, what all of that has been about is formation and transformation. I'm not the same person now that I was 15 years ago. I might look the same if perhaps a little bit older and a little bit lockdown heavier as many of us are at the moment, but I have been shaped and reshaped 
again and again by the Holy Spirit. And some of it's been really, really hard. And some of you might be in a really, really hard place tonight. But just trust that he knows what he's doing. And much of it in my life has been really surprising as well. Things that I just didn't expect that the Holy Spirit just brought across my path. And I've been discipled by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So what I want us to do today as we look at that passage of the call of the first disciples is to reflect on that transformation, the transformation power of the Holy Spirit that transforms us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Because as we look at their discipleship, we can learn how to grow in our own discipleship. Because that's our call for each and every one of us, to allow the Holy Spirit to shape and transform us more into the likeness of Christ. That is the essence of discipleship. So our passage starts by Lake Galilee, or is set by Lake Galilee. But firstly, before we get there, let's just remember what Mark, the gospel writer, has already told us. You can have a a look now if you want, or have a look later to check that what I'm saying is right. But there's three things that Mark has particularly told us. One, Jesus says he will baptize with the Spirit. Two, he says, it says he himself has been baptized with the Spirit. And three, it's through the power of the Spirit that he battled with Satan in the wilderness. So then here we are by Lake Galilee, which is often known as the Sea of Galilee because it is so huge. I don't know whether any of you have been fortunate enough to be there. I went a couple of years ago and it is absolutely massive. And what happens next sounds almost like a happy accident. Jesus just happens to be walking along by the Sea of Galilee and he sees some fishermen and he calls them. But wait a minute, everything that Mark has told us already about Jesus being filled with and acting through the power of the Spirit, maybe then did that Spirit, did that Holy Spirit, did the Holy Spirit nudge him? Or perhaps Jesus might have thought, well, these guys are fishermen, so they'll do. They're hard workers, they're prepared to face storms, although that did get tested a little bit later on, as we know. They're used to working really long hours. They also work well as a team to haul in the nets filled with fish. They have perseverance and stickability, evidence for us in a later gospel story where they were fishing all night and still had not caught anything. And all of this was true, but Jesus could see far more for them than that. Through the Holy Spirit, he knew they had a greater call to follow him and become his disciples. So then he calls his first disciples, those fishermen from Capernaum, a settlement along the lakefront of Galilee. And we know that fishermen at that time, as well as they do now, in places around the world, they used nets. But in the Old Testament, nets often have a negative meaning. They were used to ensnare people, people who deserved God's judgment. There's language about them being used in that way. But the mission that the disciples are involved in means that those caught 
by this new fishing activity are saved. They're called to be fishers of men and to save them through the power of Jesus and not for them to be destroyed or judged. And this parallels the way that Jesus' proclamation at the start of Mark moves us forwards from John the Baptist's message of judgment to one of fulfillment of the kingdom. So Jesus calls these fishermen. But then how amazing is their response? Why did they respond that way? What was it about Jesus that they recognized? As far as we know, he'd had no followers at that point. And perhaps these fishermen hadn't heard anything about him. But I think they might have done because they might have heard about this rabbi, Jesus, who, after John the Baptist had been put in prison, had taken up where John had left off. He was declaring the kingdom is near. He was declaring that because he is the kingdom He is God walking amongst them. And that was a really shocking announcement that God's promised Messiah had arrived and the task ahead of him was to establish God's kingdom on earth. Jesus was making an earth-shattering claim that he was their long-awaited Messiah, the Christ, and that God's redemption of the world would come through him So quite probably they had heard something about Jesus and those claims that he was making. But even if we don't know whether this was the case, Jesus spoke with power and authority and with his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that must have also impacted their response. And they respond to his words with actions that astound us. They left home, they left family, they left comfort behind to follow him. Unlike me moving to Camberley, taking all my treasured possessions with me, boxes and boxes, furniture, the dog, my son, my daughter when she's back from uni. I took everything with me. They didn't. They left a lot of it behind. They drop their occupation as fishermen and their family obligations to follow that call that comes through Jesus from Father God. And these fishermen lived in a really traditional society where this would have been an extraordinary thing to do because this response would impact the welfare of the whole extended family. And we often think that these fishermen were naive youth, but actually I wonder whether they were more established members of the local society because we know that Peter was already married and had a mother-in-law. But the choice that they made that day then became a burden shared by their entire families. And indeed, later on, we know that Peter's family home in Capernaum became a base, a centre from which Jesus and his followers operate. So they responded in this amazing way. But what lay ahead of them as disciples of a rabbi? Well, the Jewish way of learning for everyone was through hands-on experience and learning both scripture and the stories of their ancestors orally. Those stories were passed down 
orally, and Mark's gospel was very much shared orally with people. In their culture, learning was about gaining essential wisdom for living, absorbing it from those around you. But then there were also special teachers, the rabbi, and they had disciples who followed them. And these disciples were known as Talmudim. And they learned a rabbi's way of understanding scripture and his way of living it out. And they would literally learn from the rabbi by covering themselves in his dust, by following so closely behind him. I was going to get Anna and Thea to demonstrate this, but they said no, that the billows of sand that came up from his feet would cling to their clothes. And with the snow today, it's almost a good image to think of, you know, the footprints in the snow and just putting your feet in those footprints in the snow that are ahead of you, walking closely. And the Hebrew word for walk was halach. But instead of it just being about walking, it referred to your overall lifestyle and how you conducted yourself morally. And that was reflected in the Jewish Torah, which was also called Halakha, which was their manual for how to walk by God's word, how it would affect their lives, how it would affect their morals. So when Jesus called his new disciples, these fishermen, to walk after him as rabbi, it was a literal following in his footsteps. And the word for road or path was derech, Now, this is quite interesting because it meant way. And we probably remember that the early followers of Christ after his resurrection were known as followers of the way. The way was a track left behind by people's footprints. So your way was a spiritual metaphor for the way that you lived. Jesus called them to put their feet into his footprints to become part of his way. Because then as you walked after your rabbi following his way, what happened was that your heart would be changed. Because Jesus didn't have a textbook to give his disciples. What he did instead, he asked each one of them to follow him, to literally walk after him, to cover themselves in his dust. And in that way, they learned from him as they journeyed, they observed his responses, and they imitated how he lived by God's word. And there's an amazing parallel here with the very end of Mark's gospel. At the end of Mark's gospel, it's very sudden, and we find that Jesus's followers are called to go, and then they will find the resurrected Jesus. They're called to take action. And it parallels in a way here at the beginning of Mark, where also the action comes first. The disciples are called to follow Jesus and then they will discover him. They will discover who he is and they will become like him. And in fact, we see this model of discipleship in the Old Testament too. Think of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha's goal was not just to study from Elijah, but to become like him. It was about personal transformation, not just academic learning. And it included periods of prolonged intimacy. There's a really beautiful Jewish saying 
that reflects this intimacy, that a candle only lights another if it's brought close. Jesus lived transparently in front of his disciples in order to teach them how to live. It wasn't just about information, but transformation. And he constantly surprised his disciples by both his words and his actions. It must have been quite an adventure. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, his discipleship was not just about what he said and how he revealed scripture to them. Yes, his words are key, but also his works. Think about those ways he turned upside down unhealthy religious practices, state oppression and prejudice on their heads, and how he brought justice to the oppressed. And then, of course, his wonders. You can't read Mark's gospel and miss that. It is jam-packed full of miracles. And true discipleship, walking intimately with Jesus, has to be about all three. Because the closer you get to him, the more you discover that it's about his words, yes. It's about his works, yes. But it is also about his wonders. So what about each of us? What about you as this church body of Christ Church, as you continue to journey through Mark's gospel at this time? Will you remember that whilst the gospel, Mark's gospel, is a proclamation of the good news of Jesus, it is also a story about discipleship? And that's what I've been walking through over the last 15 years and will continue to walk through walking in the footsteps of Jesus, being discipled by him, growing in intimacy with him and learning to trust not only his words, but also his works and to learn to experience more of his wonders in my life and in the life of those around me. Because the thing is that the true goal of discipleship is not to grow in self-discipline, actually but to be transformed into the likeness of Christ through his spirit. And if we don't submit to that and allow him to keep transforming us and to keep growing us, we end up being in danger of staying in perpetual childhood as Christians, wanting to be fed, wanting to be resourced, instead of stepping out, following him, and learning from him. And discipleship is a process. It can be really, really hard. Some of you are in that place at the moment, and I know I have been in that place many times. But we're called to take up our cross and to follow him. And as we do that, Jesus lets our difficulties and our weaknesses drive us to himself, if we allow him to. I've shared before how he did that with me as I walked a path of forgiveness during my divorce. And what I learned as I did that was that the more I grew in him and allowed him to show me how to do that, 
the more joy I discovered, even in the midst of the pain. Because God's goal is not to fill the world with people who believe the right things. It's actually to fill the world with people who shine with the brilliance of Christ. It's not to fill the world with people who believe the right things. It's to fill the world with people who shine with the brilliance of Christ. Because Jesus died to save us, but his life is an example for us to follow. We are called to be his disciples. And saying yes to Christ, although that is amazing and so important, and there's a party in heaven every time somebody does that, it's only the first step on a thrilling adventure with the Holy Spirit, with plenty of surprises and challenges on the way. My own journey of following that call has had plenty of those. But because of Christ's enabling grace, we can make love the central aim and great fulfillment of our lives. God's love can free us from legalism and God's spirit enables us to pattern our lives on Christ and to be his disciples. So then in my final sermon here at Christchurch at this time, don't worry, I might be back at some point as a guest at some point in the future. But in terms of being in ministry here, my final challenge to us here at Christchurch is threefold. Number one, do we recognize Jesus's offer of discipleship? Do we recognize it? Because wherever we are in our journey of faith, he wants us to continue on the journey. He wants us to go deeper. He wants us to answer that call, to join in with him afresh, to walk in his dust, to go deeper in intimacy with him than ever before so that we can learn about and from him about those words, those works and the wonders. And I wonder for each one of us, which, which one of those three things do we need to allow the Holy Spirit to show us something about in this new season as you continue to journey through Mark? Will you allow him to transform and renew your mind about these things? And then secondly, do we discount ourselves from his call? Because it doesn't matter what's gone before. It doesn't matter even what you're doing now or not doing because of lockdown or even what you think about yourself. And I can talk about this powerfully because last summer when I wasn't able to apply for any clergy jobs because of the lockdown, I was a hair's breadth away from saying, God, that's enough. I've, I've, I've had enough. The curacy journey has been a long and hard one. I've answered your call, but actually it's not for me. But I hung on. And maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're in that place where you are discounting yourself from following Jesus calling you, whatever that's to. But he still wants you to join in with his adventure for your life because then you can join in with advancing his kingdom. Don't discount yourself. 
He has a specific call for each one of us. And it's really, really key that you don't look sideways. You look to him and you follow what he's asking you to do. And then thirdly and finally, do you want to be more joy-filled? Because I've never felt so alive, fulfilled and joy-filled than I do actually at the moment, even in the midst of all the change and in the turmoil of moving in the middle of a global pandemic. And that's not me making that up. That's just God doing that through his spirit, knowing that I'm following his call. Because answering God's call is about listening to who he is calling each one of us to be, who he's made us to be. And then as we walk that path of discipleship, letting the Holy Spirit form and transform us, body, mind, soul, and spirit, we can then shine even brighter with the brilliance of Christ. And as we do that, we then get to join in and advance his kingdom, which is one of righteousness and joy and peace. And don't we need that at the moment? And yes, I am really sad to be leaving Christchurch. I held it together this morning. I'm a little bit more wobbly this evening because you are an amazing, faith-filled and glorious bunch. And the team here at church, the staff team, are the same. And it's going to be very hard to leave. But I know that it was always just for a season that I was here. And I'm not going far. And thank you so much for all the love, prayer and support I've been blessed with from all of you here and amazing things that I've been given today that we'll look at later. But God has called me to Camberley and actually it is with a really joy-filled heart that I answer that call. But just remember, Jesus is calling all of us to put our feet into his footprints to become part of his way, to walk in his dust. Because as we walk after Jesus, our hearts change. So I'm ready for the next stage of my adventure with him. Are you? Amen.